Welcome to The Kindness Project, the podcast designed to share stories of kindness and share how kindness can make positive change in our world, one small act at a time. On this week's episode of The Kindness Project, we talk about living on the veg, donations, and we have part three of our interview with Kevin Gaskill, the author of the book, Inspired Leadership. Welcome, my friends, to another amazing episode of The Kindness Project. I'm joined by a girl who is going to be my little travelling buddy for the next month or the next three weeks, and a man who is going to be my travelling buddy in September. It's Charlotte and Russell Dames. Now, um, how are we, Japs? Uh, I'm good. I'm excited for our little... Uh, our... <laughs> little? Sorry. It's, it's, it's not a weekend in Bogdan Regis. It's... 21 days around Europe. Yeah, we're not getting off the Eurostar to Amsterdam. We're just, we are going to Amsterdam. We are going to Amsterdam. <laughs> and we are going to our favourite Amsterdam eatery, if I get the chance, Omleg. We are going to have the... Oh, you're going back to Omleg. I'm coming back to Omleg, I will, Russ. I will be having yogurt and muesli. <laughs> you had yogurt muesli last time. We I don't like eggs. Well, you know what I want to try, Russ? I want to try the sweet omelette. Sophie had it last yeah. time we were in omelette, um, and I want to try the sweet omelette. What so, you want to avoid is going down all the back alleys like you did before. That was fine, Russell. That was, I think the word, Russ, is educational. Educational. And I've I've heard you like the back alleys of Amsterdam. I don't. I've never been The quick defence there is like... I've heard that, that your, um, your Tinder username is back alley Russ. Anyway, on that note, and then Russ, we're away uh, in September. Um, yeah. uh, when do you leave in September? Oh, you know what? I, this is the problem, and we were talking on uh, before the podcast. Hopefully, it's not in the diary, and then you'll forget, and I can avoid it. Well, <laughs> this is the problem. I actually booked a chat. Then you booked something called a golf day. Yeah, well, I don't play golf, but it's a charity (laughs) day. And Mark Halls, who's been a a, guest on the podcast and runs an amazing charity called First Step, invite me along to the evening bit with drinks and food and all that sort of stuff, all that sort of lovely stuff. Um, and um, I can't go because I'm on a boat with you and Dad. So well, I'll tell you what I do. Go to your golf day. I'll drive the boat down to the Thames and pick you up. <laughs> Perfect. That sounds like well, a good compromise. Hopefully your voice weekend away doesn't uh, coincide with... Uh... When I have to, we, when me and Mum are making our it's our after. Trip. Oh, no, it's after. Go. So you're up, you're when up in the you Charlotte. Huh? When early September. Early September. Oh, yeah. So then that'll be me at uni, and then we'll be recording on three screens instead of just two. Yeah, I did. If we have a guest, we can record on four, and if we have two guests, we can record on five. How's that sound? That'd be pretty amazing, wouldn't it? It would be pretty amazing. So. Let's talk about what's going on. So, unofficial question of the podcast um, is is just super clear. Um, what are you up to over the summer? Let us know your summer plans. We're doing a lot of travelling over the summer. Oddly enough, we can't talk about that because that's a question coming up later. Is it? Have I just demoed a 
Yeah. Huge impression in the podcast. You have. Oh. Step on your own toes. Yeah, but it won't. It wouldn't be the first time we've used another visual question in the podcast no, no, no. for a, for a future one. So I'm, I'm, it, I'm a bit relaxed. It differently, but it's tenuous. So what's the wording of the question? Oh, spoilers! What's, uh, what's your most favourite Uh Planets, definitely. Love a power nap. You do that year round. I know, but it's my fa- power naps are my favourite activity, regardless of the time of year. Actually, I prefer them in the winter. How do you feel about power nap, Russ? I, I love a power nap. I don't get as many as I used to, but I don't like a power nap. Right, let's let's just get clear on this because I don't know if we spoke about this on the podcast before because we did talk a lot of. Uh, um, uh, but what's the ideal optimum time for a power nap? 90 minutes. Well, the, the, the trouble I have, I say I'm going to have a power nap, then I'm waking up at three in the morning with my children and laying on the sofa. Right, that's not a power nap. That's not a power nap. That's not a power nap. See, According to I'd science, I'd say, 90 minutes. I'd say roughly two hours for a... For See, a I, I, think, I think an hour... For a power nap, out to an hour and a half. Uh, Apparently, a power nap is 10 to 20 minutes. Uh, I can't I even get cracking with a good sleep. Oh, I thought that. 20 minutes. I thought that most days in the middle of the day, they lay me hand on, head on my hand and close my eyes. What, while you're working? While I'm working, yeah. Sorry, you do realise that you're not only speaking to your brother, but also the geezer who pays your wages. Let me just clarify with you. If I haven't answered an email within sort of 10 minutes, you know what happens. He's got tired working and he's just... You know what? He does work hard, though, Bessie. He does work hard. Um, I, 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 gave him, I gave him some new management responsibilities today. Oh yeah, and he's got to, he's got to now like sort of start supervising people and following people I mean, up. I don't, like I don't really, I don't really enjoy all that, but <laughs> but you take it on because you like the challenge, right? Don't you? I, I like you know? I like to give it a go. Yeah, uh, and and you will, and I'm sure, pretty sure you're going to smash it. So. Oh, good. Living dangerously, they almost clicked out of the zoo. Oh, oh no! I, I tell you what, I'm. I'm living ma- <laughs> I, I, tell, I tell you what, I am living dangerously uh, today, Russ. Because you know what, I almost did. WhatsApp on my P, on my laptop said it was updating. Do not turn off WhatsApp oh, while no. you're updating your messages. I just thought, what happens if I actually turn it off? And he hovered over it, and I hovered. I hovered over it. Tempted to turn it off halfway well, through an update. That's not living dangerously, is it? Well, what 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 would you consider living dangerously? Oh, I, I thought you was going to say you drove off a building with a parachute or something. Quit in WhatsApp. Why it's updating? Ain't going to do much. Just read down it. No, it's living dangerously, Russ. You living might get an annoying message after like that. Well, the guy I know. Animal Crossing yeah. games. Who well, you if you don't save. What if that message is everybody in your WhatsApp? Chris James quit while. Exactly, exactly. I don't Chris want to be James known. Is a I don't want to be known as a quitter. Do I? Right? So there's the thing. <laughs> but what what I do want to be known at 
as, as a man who lives on the edge when it comes to WhatsApp. That, that is, is probably that is quite Yeah, no, but doing, doing that, like turning your phone off when it's updating or like turning something off when it's updating or like when something's coming through, I always expect, I don't know if you ever played the old Animal Crossing games, but there was this little mole guy uh, and he used to Did wear... Did you have a knife? Lloyd. Lloyd. No. Lloyd the mole guy. Might not have been Lloyd. Can't remember. No. That was an Animal Crossing character of some kind. What's that Ledger's of Lloyd? No, that Russ. Oh, Ledger's of Larry. The, Lloyd is the guy who shows up when you try and build a bridge. Yeah, Lloyd, oh, Lloyd's Lloyd the, is the little talk guy. I can't oh, remember no, no. the name of the, of the mole. And he has a little yellow hat and some blue overalls. And if you don't save the game, he comes and pops up when you leave your house and he goes... You haven't saved the game. It's made me really angry, and he has a go at you. What? Because you could lose all your progress. Yeah. What happens if you just turn it off? Then he comes. No, how does he know? How does he know if know. the game's not saving? How does he know that you haven't saved your game? Oh, fire! Same way WhatsApp knows if you switch it off while it's updating. True, true, true. They're always looking, Russ. Legend Suit Larry, by the way. Was, Larry, isn't it? was a, a game in the early late eighties, early nineties that if we spoke about too much would probably get us cancelled. So we're not gonna yeah. oh, we're, no. we're, we're not gonna do that. Yeah. It, I need it, to know what this guy's yeah. name was. Well, what the animal crossing guy? Yeah. Well, we don't have to be something called the podcast or not. Yeah, I was just looking at cubes. All oh, right, okay. Oh, <laughs> living on the edge. Go I'm on. living on the bench now. <laughs> Hold on. He's not living on the edge, he's living on the bench. I've got a good deal on a bundle of vegan cookbooks. Go on. Uh, on Amazon. He's living on the veg. I'm, I'm, I'm going two days a week living on the veg. He's living on the veg, so. Uh, Sophie's so, so just giving you a little dance, which I'm assuming is what all vegetarians do when they when so, they've converted another vegetarian. So my nurse that comes out is a vegetarian. Is she living on the veg? Hold on. I brought her the book for her birthday recently. And I see that they had the whole bundle on there. And yeah. You got them for yourself? I, I, I got them for myself and decided I'm going to I look through them. Well, some of these look quite nice. So I'm gonna go two days a week vegetarian. I think um I think you've just done the best link from one subject to another we've ever had on the kindness project. I mean I, I am just admiring the genius of going. We're talking about living on the edge. Let's talk about living, living on, on the edge. <laughs> that was amazing. I mean, I'm just came out of nowhere. He just gets and he went into a story about cookbooks. See, that's because I had a power nap 10 minutes before I come on. <laughs> <laughs> well, hold on. 10 minute power nap or two hours? No, it, it, I wasn't napping when uh, I turned up late for this recording. <laughs> no, no, no. He, he was meant to be working. He was napping. That's. Uh, no, I, I, I was seems, working you out, need to right? speak to your governor about a disciplinary yeah. action, to be honest, right? I'd like to speak to my governor about, about pay if this is. Anyway, right. let's <laughs> move on with the show. Um, otherwise, you know what? It, it's, it's been inspired by the uh, by the train strikes. It's like, right, I need to speak to my governor no, this about. Is, this is, Money management style. Right. This this is this is the problem, Charlotte, right? It gives it the bigger, right? And then when I say to him, You are do- doing an amazing job, would you like some more money? You know what he says to me? Don't need it. I was like, 
take it. I can't get him to take more money. I don't want it. You don't want it. Russ, just stick it in a pot and give it to someone else. I'm not going to do that. My, two reasons. I always donate if somebody's doing something. But I don't, I don't really believe in just giving people something for nothing. Yeah. Interesting. Now that is a, that is an interesting okay, so conversation. Okay, so then maybe start a pot of money that you draw from whenever someone is doing something that you believe is worth the money. Yeah, yeah, that might be worth doing. Instead of just downright rejecting it, set it aside for a cause that you believe in. Yeah, or, might be worth it. Or would you, I mean, I suppose, and again, with, I'd be fascinated to hear what our listeners think. Would you... Would you not give just to a cause you believed in? Right. Let's say, let's say, for example, I don't know, uh, water aid. So you know that that money's going to be spent on something really positive. Yeah, but I don't know where that money's going. Right, right. Have and you that, never seen a, a Kickstarter? I don't, I don't know that they're not paying, like they pay their staff. How much well, of my money is paying for that? If I but, if I was donating in good faith, I'd donate to to anyone sort of thing. But but that is a that that is a so you're supporting the people something with, the cause, with the causes they believe in. Yeah, something I can say. I mean that is a that is an enduring challenge, isn't it? Because Charities do need teams to run, particularly the big ones. Um, uh, but how much of, and it's a conversation we've had on the podcast plenty of times in the past, how much of the money actually goes to the cause that you're aiming yeah. to support? Um, and and the bigger worries, the charity gets. That's what worries me. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I mean, that's one for the future. It'd be interesting. I, I reckon this is what we do, right? Round table, smaller charities bigger charities and we talk about impacts in terms of donations that's i think that'd be really interesting that's a good idea yeah we'll we'll we'll, we'll, we'll do that um uh, so anyway uh, let's talk about the question of the podcast the question of the podcast is um what is the best band name you've ever heard now um the reason being, and I've forgot the name of the band uh, that I, I heard the other day. Pigeon well, that's not great, is it? Uh, <laughs> well, it's not great, is it? Um, it's, it, was, it was Pigeons. That's not how with, I know it's how you spell Pigeons. But the name of the band that I loved the other day was Pigeons Playing Ping Pong. Um, check them out on Spotify. They are amazing. Um, bit of funk soul uh, vibe. Feels a bit Jamiroquai-ish. But with a rock tin, so a bit of spin doctors in there as well. Love pigeons playing. Ping I think pong. you had a similar reaction to the uh, to the narcissist cookbook. Now that's a good name for a band. Is it a band? Or is it the I individual? don't know. I think it's just a guy, but I don't know because I'm not sure if he's just doing the voice over it and it's someone else playing the music. Or have if... you have you heard any of the other stuff or not? Uh, yeah, other than ghost stories. Yeah, I've had a couple of the other ones. And is it him? Yeah, same guy. But I don't know if it's the same guy doing the music. Um, is it a vegetarian Nazi's cookbook or is it a is it an actual I've read the other cookbook? What one? The anarchist cookbook. <laughs> <laughs> is that a vegetarian cookbook, Russ? No. 
So, I mean, I, I can't imagine anarchists being particularly worried about not eating animals. I reckon they eat anything they want. You know, meat, well, veg, their own fingers. <laughs> <laughs> I'm an anarchist. That's where my I don't care. Uh, <laughs> uh, meat, veg, their own fingers, stuff out the bit. No, you know what? I don't know any anarchists. Maybe I'm prejudging anarchists. Maybe they're just... Yeah, I reckon they just eat food. I don't, I don't know. There's many levels of anarchy in there. How did we... Talking of cookbooks... Um, do you want to talk about, go back to your vegetarian cookbook again, Russ? What's the best dish in your vegetarian cookbook? Uh, the mushroom burger looks very nice. So you haven't tried it, any of it yet? No, I only got them yesterday. So if you want to answer the question of the podcast, what's the best band name you've ever heard? You can do this using the following social media channels. Crikey, it's been so long since we've done this. Uh, so Twitter is all at thekindnessproject.co.uk. Then you find us on Facebook, you just type the kindness project into the search bar. If you want to find us on Google, we should be at the Kindness Project Podcast. If you want to find us directly at the page, don't even bother going to Google, straight to that bar at the top, www.thekindnessproject.co.uk. Uh, no forward slashes or nothing, just click your buttons. Um, just click your buttons. <laughs> Uh, if you want to email us directly without going through the faff of finding the email on the website, it's all at thekindnessproject.co.uk. And if you want to find us on any other social media platform, please get in touch with Russ so we can set up the social media platform so you can further contact us on that social media platform. If you'd like to get in, uh, see what uh, Russ is up to in his personal life, just go to www.ilovetheanarchistcookbook.co.uk.gov. <laughs> That look is disdain. <laughs> is that look disdain? You do realise we're on a podcast and our audience don't, can't tell, tell what you're looking that at. That look is disdain and fear. Yeah, yeah. Fear of the veg, not the anarchists. On that note, let's move on to... Let's move Can you on. truly fear what you really are? Do you reckon Russ is an anarchist in disguise? No. I'm definitely not. That's the problem. We're painting him to be an anarchist, and actually, he's a very lovely bloke, isn't he? He doesn't chew his own fingers much. (laughs) Uh, Let's move on to (laughs) kindness news. Kindness news. Let's let's talk about the first bit of good news this week from the Good News Hub. From Kylie's news, um, uh, Australia produces. Do you edit this, Russ? <laughs> Do you actually edit this? No, this goes in raw. <laughs> <laughs> like most of your fresh, uh, like most of your diet at the minute. Uh, Australia reduces plastic waste on beaches by thirty percent. Uh, Good for them. Plastic waste on beaches in Australia has declined by nearly 30% in the last six years. That's a lot. The reduction is thanks to a wide range of initiatives put in place by local councils across the country. These include installing extra bins, putting up designs reminding people not to litter, and a hotline to report illegal dumping. It's a surprise and really heartening to see this change in a short period of time, says Dr Denise Hardesty. Is it Denise or Dennis? Anyway. Denise. A marine debris at 
CSIRO, an Australian government body for scientific research. They put together a team who served a, su surveyed 183 beaches in 2013 and again in 2019 to compare the differences. The study set out to find what factors and underlying behaviours would help to reduce coastal plastic waste. Lead researcher Dr Catherine Willis said she was surprised by how quickly the plastic waste went away. This group found that beaches that had cleaned up the most had successfully implemented a range of clean-up initiatives. In councils where do not litter signs were put up and been provided, there was a decrease in littering. However, where do not litter signs were erected but inadequate or bins were not provided, the opposite effect was observed. Plastic rubbish increased in these locations. The most successful councils also found that financial incentives worked to decrease litter. This includes council offering a rebate when taking plastic bottles to a waste centre. Cleanup programmes like Clean Up Australia Day and Volunteer Beach Cleanup Days were also effective strategies. Although it seems like most news stories about plastic are negative, Dr. Hollisty looked at it through a positive lens. People ask me all the time, oh my gosh, is it so depressing that you work on plastic and it's just everywhere and growing? And I tell them, actually, it's also kind of a story of hope and optimism. I mean, that is an amazing reduction in that, um, in that level. And what it goes to show is these... Um, these things can be solved if we take action. Um, I, I, you know, I, I think the 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 eye opener for me was the Edinburgh documentary when he was talking about the amount of plastic in our oceans. But we can take active measures, as the Australian study shown, to actually um, uh, make make the make our environment a better place. So well done, well done, the people who are looking into that. Next. Uh, uh, news article, and this is from Positive.News, is um, art, uh, can art save our high streets? In Yorkshire, it's already happening. When big retailers abandoned one English town, locals got creative. Now it's high street is anything but dead. Stilt walkers stalk the pavement and a flash mob suddenly appears from behind a row of neon mannequin legs within a former department store. Sorry, just stopping the uh, uh, the um, news story at the minute and um, Raz when we go on our boat trip do you mind bringing your stilts 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 Raz Raz know what the old man said know what daddy said to me this morning yeah go on am I bringing the scaffolding plank <laughs> the what I said you'll be the only one that's walking the plank I've already spoke to Chris he's gonna Form a revolt with me. Well, we no, 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 no. It's not called a revolt. I mean, it, it's called what? a mutiny. It, it's getting really now. The train strikes on. Russell is turning into a proper little militant. That's right. If we if we decide to revolt on a boat, though, Russ, it's called a mutiny. It is called a mutiny. Lucky terminology. Anyway, but back to the thing. He's not bringing his things, unfortunately. All the wooden plank. It seems. Visitors to Cayley were told to expect the unexpected via a series of free events as they browsed businesses and explored an arts trail during the K-Town weekend at the end of March. It was the latest project by Cayley Creative, a volunteer-led arts organisation which is based in the former Sunwin House department store in the town. A lot has been said recently about how art has the potential to save our high streets, so we feel immensely proud to be one of the first to be actually doing that, says Emma Rochford from the project. Not in a city, but in a northern town with real community values. 
After taking up on the former shop as a meanwhile space in 2017, the team has already opened up a gallery, a project, and an education space, and several artist studios, as well as running the Cayley Arts and Film Festival. Following the success of the K-Town Weekend, the team wants to develop their plans and have received funding for a permanent home. On the wish list is an exhibit space, a cafe, up to 50 studios, a mini cinema, and a cluster of boutique retail and food spaces. As Kaylee's creative manager and as Kaylee Creatives manager and creative producer, Gemma Hobbs puts it creativity, community, collaboration. Together, these can help save our high streets. You know what? It's really interesting. Uh, where we are on the uh, edge of London, our biggest, probably our biggest local town is a place called Romford. Uh, it's a market town uh, and it's gone through some, some ups and downs throughout its time. And then a few years ago, they uh, opened this place called the Retainery. Okay. And it was a, um, it was a bar. Uh, they did live events there. It was a shared workspace for startups. Um, it was um, uh, an artist space that they used to display art there, and you know what? And it was made by uh, it, it was it was opened and run by a community of creatives in the area. Um, and weirdly, what year was that? Um, I, <laughs> I can't remember. Eighteen, nineteen. Yeah, it wasn't that long ago. It was probably about four or five years ago. It, it's been recently been taken over by the council, which, in my opinion, takes away from the authenticity of, of, of what it was designed to do. But I I think you're going to see over the next few years, you know, I, if I want to buy something, I do it online, okay? Uh, I'm, I'm not... A shop. I know there are plenty of people who like going to shops, but what I will go out and see in a high street or a city centre is something creative, something exciting, something that's going to be an experience. 2019, Rockford had its first Pride, first ever Pride, um, and I was really excited. And it's the first time like I'd been excited to go to Rockford High Street. Yeah, because. It- yeah, but it's events like that that are going to create the atmosphere that that are going to bring people into town centres, isn't it? You know, it's not going to be, you know, if you can just jump online and get whatever you need to from a, a retail perspective, the experiential bits, in my opinion, I'm not an expert, but yeah. the experiential bits, in my opinion, and the bits that you want to come out and see. So I think I think good like that is amazing news in terms of places in the world that are effectively uh, building their towns around creating environments where it's fun to go to the town centre, which is amazing oh, stuff. Not on... Not on Russ's list. Sorry to go a bit rogue, Russ. Uh, I appreciate all the work you do for us, and it's uh, a, a great support to us every time we record. Ninety-seven-year-old man took his maths GCSE. Oh yeah, that that's that is a bit of good news. Yeah. We, there was a. Do you want to tell that story? Yeah. So I I have a lot of news pings on my phone. So I just like you know wake up first thing you want to do. You don't want to you know. <laughs> read the news um and I got that's a, little... a bad habit no. <laughs> that is a problem taking your mobile phone into the bedroom is a poor habit 
<laughs> anyway, first thing of the day, 97-year-old man set to be the oldest person to ever sit at GCSE. Love it. And then they wrote an article after he'd sat the GCSE. Did he pass? Oh, we don't know yet. All right. uh, and he was like, I'm really proud I've, I've done this GCSE and I'm happy I've done it. Like, but, but you know what? I mean, Charlotte told me about the story earlier in the week for us. And it's something we talk about all the time. Like, not always on the podcast. It was just sort of us three yeah, we when, we're, when we're just having a gym wag. That constant learning, that constant yeah. desire to be a little bit better in your life. Yeah. Um, even at the age of 97, keeping intellectually engaged, I think is um, amazing. So I, 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 think I think that's a good way to keep your mind sharp. Yeah. What was the GCSE in? Maths. Maths. So you did the maths GCSE. If you had to or wanted to, what would you go back and study, Russ? Uh Probably computing. If, if, if I was more academic, I probably would have... Uh, would have gone for an IT degree. Yeah, it's more academic. Yeah, well, there's nothing stopping us if that's what you want to do with your life. So I'm, I'm, I'm not academic in that sense, but I, I do strive to understand, yeah. which which is important when learning. Yeah, hundred percent. See, I did a um, qualification um, that was. When I initially signed up for it, they were like, yeah, it'll probably be IT. And I went in there and they had us doing creative eye media. So it's 25% exam, 75% coursework. And it's a lot of like uh, digital creation, digital like stuff like that. And then also a lot of fact finding. So it's sort of research. It was really good. I never finished it because COVID. But, you know, other than that. Oh, no, that's a shame. The only deliverable phase phase then or not yeah you have to have all the equipment oh gotcha um and no because it stopped yeah yeah, it was it was like all of school just stopped yeah it did yeah so there was no teaching there was no anything because teachers didn't see a point but that what that story shows well sorry that not seven year old guy shows is if you're interested in something no I, I, to me, it shows a couple of things. Number one, there is a benefit later in life to continue the learning journey because it keeps you engaged and actively involved. It's never too late. And if you're interested in something, mm. you know, like the journey doesn't stop when you leave from where you're coaching, does it? It actually, for the, for, 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 I believe, that it benefits us if we carry on learning and developing as humans well, um, throughout our lives. That's where I've learned most of my stuff. I probably forgot most of what I learned at school. Yeah. I'm, I'm mostly self-taught after school. School of life for us. It's the best school, school in the life, world, yeah. isn't it? School of life. All life, life. Anyway, should we move on to the interview? Um, this week, we've got the last part of um, our interview with Kevin Gaskell. Uh, he's write, wrote, written a book recently called Inspired Leadership about his um, uh, journey uh, uh, 
canoeing effectively across the Atlantic with a bunch of people and what he learned uh, about leadership from that experience. Um, uh, it's been amazing to, to have a chat with Kevin. Uh, the, the other two parts of the uh, interview are in previous um, episodes. Definitely check them out because there was loads of insight about business uh, and compassion and all sorts of different things. Really enjoyed chatting to Kevin. Um, should we listen to the last part? Let's do it. How, what, what role do you think authenticity plays in terms of that? And, and you know, and what I'm talking about is the fact that, you know, business leaders often assume that they can't show their own faults or weakness when they're having that conversation. Do you think that's important for leaders to show they're actually human every now and again? <laughs> I, think it's, I think it's absolutely critical. Yeah, so do I. Yeah. I think it's absolutely fundamental. And, and, you know, I always say, look, just because it says CEO or these days chairman on my door, it doesn't mean anything. The door's open. Take, take, the, title yeah. Yeah, take the title off. Yeah, and, yeah. And, and also for leaders to engage with their team, they need to go and know their team, need to meet their team, need to walk around and, and just go and meet the people in the business. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, we hear all these things about millennium uh, and Generation Z and Generation this, that and the other, they're all different. I think the world has moved on and I'm pleased it's moved on. I, you know, I'm a little bit cynical about, at the moment, this ESG investor. We only invest in companies that meet these ESG um criteria yeah and i said that's nonsense sorry esg should have been there forever it's not yeah. a new thing yeah equality yeah, and governance and treating people properly i've been doing that for the last 30 years yeah. I, I don't i don't consider it I, I, I think at the minute the press have got hold of it and it's a fad but forget the fad guys yeah, just yeah. realize that proper leadership is about making sure that those values and that culture and that approach is in the business yeah, I mean, from day, I mean one, from day one. I mean, I I agree that there's a there's an element, certainly sort of in the day job. We've you know, there's a lot of noise in our world about you know companies that meet these criteria, and I agree with you. A well-run business should meet that criteria as standard without okay. it being needed needed to be measured. I think the interesting thing, and that we've seen it evolve over time, is I do wonder whether it will change cultures, the fact that there is more of a prominence and focus on it being measured. Yeah, it, it, I think the jury is still out on that, but it does feel a bit valid to me as well. So it's uh, it's certainly a, an interesting um, interesting area at the minute. But I think I think the interesting thing and the, the, the sort of one of the reason reasons we started this podcast sort of four four and a half years ago was we wanted to highlight the fact. There was um, sorry, that's the dog. Um, we wanted to highlight that he wants to get involved in the podcast. Clearly. Um, uh, uh, we wanted to highlight the fact that most people are doing good stuff in the world and actually there's plenty of stuff that's positive in the world that um, that we didn't think was um, was being highlighted enough. And that's part of the reason we wanted to highlight people doing amazing stuff in the world. I know that one of your things is, you know, people most often than not want to do a good job. Tell me a bit about how that manifests itself in leadership. Yeah, I, I always say I've never met anybody who comes into work in the morning and wants to do a bad job. Yeah. I, I just don't believe that's the case. 
there are people who may be in the wrong role or they're not inspired by the the vision that we have for the business in which case that's a separate conversation are they in the right job are they in the right company and if yeah. not i will help them to move somewhere else yeah, where, yeah, they, yeah. where they are inspired yeah but generally speaking I believe people want to do a good job and and the challenge is creating the culture to give them that opportunity so one of the approaches uh, that i take to business and, and that's in the other book that's in the inspired leadership book is is using really quite informal processes but making it visible so that people can contribute making the plan for the business visible this is where we're going this is how we're going to get there and these are the priorities. Now, how can you help us with your specific knowledge to get to that point? Because, I mean, I ran a boat company a couple of years ago, and it was a big turnaround operation. I don't know anything about running boats. I know a bit about rowing boats now, but we were building five million pound um, motor yachts. I don't know anything about motor yachts. But what I do know about is building a team yeah. to re-energize the business. And that's what we did. And that was a business that had been making losses for 10 years and we got it back in profit in 14 months with the same people. It was the same people. It didn't change anybody. Gotcha. Gotcha. What we did was re-inspire the team. What we did was allow them to make their contribution. And I, part of that was about inspiring them to say, here's where we're going, here's what we're going to achieve. What can you, you know, because they had the technical skills and knowledge, right? You know, yeah, they, they, they've got to do their stuff. Yeah, yeah. So what I what I do is build the processes, which is a grand way of saying what we do is discuss it with them, and and write the plan. Yeah, yeah. Of yeah. Where we're going to go, yeah. and in, invite them to help Have us get there. Yeah. This and then people want to be change. part. Of it. People want to yeah. be part of it. Yeah, no, it's great. I love that. Absolutely love that. Um, two seconds. I'm, I'm going to be back in two seconds. I'm just going to let the dog out. Just okay. being. Thanks. Come on. Come on. Thanks, Kev. Russ is clearly going to edit that bit out. <laughs> you hope. <laughs> he might not, to be honest. He might not. Um, yeah, and 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 that brings me on to the point, really. Like you, you. This is your second book, right? Yep. So tell me about inspired leadership, and what do you think it takes to be an inspired leader? So, so my first book, which is called Inspired Leadership, is basically 25 years of experience of running businesses in 250 pages. That's how I summarize it, because I get I get a lot of people approach me. Uh, I've probably got three this week of people with challenges in their business saying, uh, I, I hear you're the business fixer. Can you fix this for me? Right. Um, and you can, it's not a magic wand thing. You know, I would say it takes me 100 days to stop the business failing. It takes me a thousand days to build it back to something that is world class. Yeah. So I can't just do it on an email. And uh, so what I thought I would do is write a book that I could give to people. Say, you want to know how to do it? Go away and read that. Read that. And that book shows you, with examples of the businesses that I've turned around, or the businesses I've grown, or examples of when it's gone right and examples when it's gone wrong. It's all in there of how to take a business and take it to an extraordinary level because we've done that again and again and again and and you know i started off i just told you 32 i didn't know what i was doing well i i, I know what i'm doing now i have an approach now yeah, yeah, yeah and and i replicate that approach 
in different businesses. It's not it's not so formulaic that people go, oh right, okay, so he's going to do this. He's going to. It's not that. It is sensitive to the environment. No. But it follows a pattern. Yeah. And it's it a system that that is flexible enough to to evolve, but exactly. also yeah. And it's it's an interesting one. I think I think that element of I'm assuming from what you're saying, that starts with the culture of the business, right? It doesn't start with the numbers. It doesn't start with anything else. It's like, what is this business run like? Is that, well, is that the starting point? The starting point is, what do we want this business to look like when it's... Yeah, the plan. Yeah, the strategy. What yeah. was, uh, we, we, we literally sit down amongst ourselves and say, what does success look like? Let's yeah. talk about it. And, and what will the customer see? And what will the staff see? And what will our suppliers see? What will people yeah. see when we are successful yeah and yeah, we start yeah. we start there and then we work back to where we are and I, it's interesting because like that that measurement of success might differ depending on the business might not it so oh, absolutely you you at Porsche uh might say right okay we want to be the best you know the best in terms of customer service we want to be the best brand our clients think we're amazing and yes. they don't and this is where we need to get to yeah and and we we actually used when we had our first board meeting when i was in charge we used that survey which was you know we were number 32 out of 32 we couldn't go any lower yeah yeah, yeah. and, and it's pretty shocking for a brand like porsche to realize we were at the bottom of the pile yeah. and, and we said well we want to be number one and people said to me you're nuts number one you're number 32 and i said yeah well if i don't say number one what do you want me to say number 10 yeah number five yeah. But then does that inspire enough? Yeah, does it, it, would 12 inspire by words old? You know, nobody wants to be 12. So we said we want to be number one in terms of customer satisfaction. Then we set the whole business out to achieve that. And and that's what we did. It took us four years, took us a thousand days to get to number one. But we were number one and then we were number one again the following year. And and that's when I left and went to BMW. Um, But that's what transformed the company. And that's where people got... The people in the team got excited. And I went back a couple of years ago. You know, it's a long time since I was a Porsche. I went back a couple of years ago to do some TV filming there. And many of the same people were in the business. And they were coming out, hey, Kev, how's it going? Do you remember when? And, you know, they all remember the tough times. Not yeah. not as in, oh, my goodness, oh, it was dreadful. As in, we did achieved. we have fun? Yeah, Look yeah, what yeah, we achieved. Yeah. And they're so proud of what, what we achieved together. I love that. So, so, so that's where it starts, and then within the Inspired Leadership book, it's the tools we use and the, and I've, the processes we use, and I've written it to be friendly. It's not a textbook, yeah, yeah, and it, yeah. it gives little examples of how we did this, and, and and it's got photographs in of of us actually doing some of this stuff, real pictures of yeah. you know the workshops we've had, and how we, yeah, how we yeah, yeah just how we did it. Yeah, yeah, no, really, really, really interesting. Right, now the dog wants to come back in. So I'm, right. I'm, I'm literally, last time, I promise. Fix that. Right, last time. Thanks, Kev. Appreciate that. Right, so this podcast, Kevin, is, is all about sharing stories uh, about, about, Think people doing amazing stuff in the world, and clearly the uh, the the rowing expedition you went on. Even though there's a lot more adventures to come, clearly the rowing adventure you went on is amazing. What I'm interested in sharing with our audience is 
a little bit about kind leadership. So, so how do we use that value of be kind, you know, uh, be good in our lives and our businesses to be more inspiring leaders? Yeah, it comes down to personal approach. And I, I've been brought up, I grew up in a very working class family. And, and you know, my parents always instilled in me the belief to show respect. Yeah. Show respect to people. You know, everybody is somebody's mother or father, son or daughter, sister or brother, everybody. Yeah. So respect people as individuals. And so my approach to leadership and, and one that I try to foster in the companies where I work, and, and you know, I've got some great leaders working with me now who share this this philosophy. Is do you to look show, for that in leaders? Pardon? Do you look, do you look for that value in leaders? That, I look, that value I, respect? Yeah, I look for people who are empathetic. I look for yeah. people who who do share, you know, it's the, it's the classic interview, isn't it? I'll meet you at a coffee shop. And, and then afterwards you say, what, what did you get the name of the waitress? Oh yeah. She's called, you know, oh, yeah. She's called Susie. And do you know what she does? This, that, and the other. Great. You've, you've already built a rapport and it cannot uh, be a false rapport. Yeah. You know what? I've, I've, I've said this on the podcast before, how people treat people in restaurants and bars is always a fairly good indicator of, of, uh, initially of what they're like you know they, they might be having a bad day or, or whatever it be but it's a really interesting sign isn't it don't you think yeah and in in social environments it's about respecting the people who are providing the service that you're enjoying yeah and and so kindness to me is about showing that empathy it is about respecting the individual because you know everybody has a job to do in a business everybody and 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 if they don't have a job to do then why are they there why, why is that job there yeah should, should yeah. we not should we not be engaging that person in something else where they can create more value uh, in terms of their contribution so it is about showing respect I and mean, you know examples um i have to go back to porsche which is where it started i would write a personal christmas card to everybody in the business yeah. now that was hundreds of people but i made sure and I, start, I used to start this in about October. And it, each one had a personal message in. And, and I made sure I knew the person. I knew something about them. Yeah. You know, if, if, I, if I wrote to you, Chris, I hope the podcast's going well. You know, yeah. looking forward to more episodes next year. Merry Christmas. Yeah. You know, it was a personal message. It means a lot. Yeah. And people still today talk about that as, wow. And yeah. you know what? It wasn't cynical because I did it because we didn't have enough money. We, we were struggling. The business was in terrible trouble. So I didn't have enough money to pay people bonuses at Christmas. So what I did was say thank you. Yeah. And, you know, it, okay, so it took me some hours each week to write all these cards. But I meant every one of them. Yeah, I love it. And, and so it's that's what I mean about showing respect to people. Yeah. And it's, as you say, it's that genuine empathy where people know that you care. And, and interestingly, I, you know, I think that genuine empathy is just as important when you've got to make difficult decisions as a business owner, right? You know, so it's one of those things where, you know, I've had to make people redundant and felt terrible about doing that. Um, uh, but it's the right thing to do for the business and understanding that this is a particularly tough thing for them yeah and you know supporting guiding them through it helping them find a new opportunity uh uh and 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 sort of giving them you know giving uh, helping them make sure that the transition for them 
is as smooth as possible. And you know, I think that that empathy really pays off, particularly when you've got to make difficult decisions. What do you think about that? Right, we'll just pause there because I've got somebody at the gate. <laughs> Hello. Oh, could you just pop it on the wall? Is that possible? Thank you very much. Bye. Hey, if you made you made me feel better. I'm glad it wasn't only me, Ed. <laughs> no, there's only me here. Yeah. I can't um, even turn that buzzer off. All right. Yeah. But okay. So talk to me about. Um, luckily, Russ is a really good editor, Kev. So he'll be able to make this look seamless, right, Russ? He's off letting the dog out. <laughs> Um, okay, so talk to me about, you know, I think sometimes that empathy is really, you know, really useful when you've, particularly as leaders, you've got to make tough decisions. What do you think about that? Yeah, I think it's absolutely critical because I'm I'm here speaking about being kind to people. But at the end of the day, my responsibility is for the success of the business. And so I did have to make very difficult decisions. And you know, I have made people redundant in, in a number of the businesses that I've run. Mm -hmm. But you you try to do it in a very honest manner. Yeah. Because it is an incredibly painful thing to do. You know you're affecting people's lives. Yeah. And so I've always tried to do it in a way that, exactly as you said, we, we look after them, we, we pay them absolutely as much as we can over and above statutory minimum yeah. to yeah. help them to move on and then give them support and, and coaching and advice. Yeah. Um, it, it is a very tough thing to do. But at the end of the day, my my responsibility is to the business legally is to the shareholders of the business. Yeah. So, yeah, exactly. you know, I have to make tough calls. Yeah, yeah, and as you say, if you don't, if you do it with honesty and empathy, I think that's the uh, that's the way to do it. Now, you've talked a little bit about your next adventure in 2024. Is yes. that the next one coming up, or have you got one in 2023? No, I've got one this year as well. Oh, cool. Yeah, so so this year we're going to go and canoe uh, the Yukon River through Alaska. Right. But yeah, you know, that's just. I mean, it's not particularly demanding. We're going with the current, so it's a thousand miles through Alaska. Amazing. Uh, camping wherever we stop each night, avoiding the bears, and just enjoying the amazing scenery. So that's that's planned for this year. Who's who's going? Who's 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 on the adventure with you? Well, I hope I've got some friends going. So they got I've got friends who said, "Oh, we'd love to come with you on an adventure, but oh, we're not doing. Oh no, we're not doing. Oh no, we're not doing that. We're not going up that mountain." And so, so you I, try yeah, to pick one that's yeah, sort yeah, of just like, relatively moderate, just a bit gentler. <laughs> And so I, I put it to them, and they said, "Yeah, I'd love to." And I said, "Well, bring your kids. They got they got teenage sons. Okay. I said, bring the kids." So what an adventure, love me, it. Me and my son and and a few friends go canoe through Alaska. Perfect. That that sounds really good. That sounds really good. And then the big one, twenty twenty four. How long is that going to be? Uh, the big one's twenty twenty four, and that's um, rowing from uh, California to Hawaii. Uh, how long? Um, anywhere up to sixty days at sea. So yeah. we'll see. Yeah, amazing. Love that. Absolutely love that. Um, and where can people find out about you, the work you do, the books, uh, if they want to, if they want to understand and find out more? Yeah, so my website is kevingaskell.com. So kevingaskell.com. Yep. Um, and the books, uh, you can get to the books through the website or um, put my name in Amazon and the books will pop up. Um, or just follow me on Instagram.
um, and see what's going on. We put the adventures on Instagram and that feeds Facebook. Um, and, you know, you can keep up with, with the adventures and what's happening in the businesses and some of the amazing people I'm lucky enough to meet. And it's just, it's all there. Great stuff. Thank you for joining us today. We really appreciate it. Have a good day. Thank you very much, Chris. Thanks for the invitation. You're welcome. So that was the last part of the interview. Hopefully you enjoyed that. Um, and yeah, one thing I did want to mention was if you know anybody who you think would be really good to come on the podcast, we would love to hear from you. We are really lucky that um, a lot of the people who appear on the podcast are introduced to us um, or um, or... Uh, approach us now uh, but we are relying on our audience and our listeners to let us know who who the kind people are in your life who's who in the kindness world who who is who in the world of kindness um and you know um uh, we would love to interview some different diverse people to, to 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 do that um so let us know who you'd like us to interview and we'll we'll get in touch with them now oh oh tis the end of another podcast now have we spoken about the mugs on the podcast yeah Mm. tis the end so what we want to do is have a quick chat about uh, what i want to do is a massive thank you to our resident um uh anarchist vegetarian (laughs) russell Dames, because he did uh something amazing uh uh, recently, he because Charlotte's just finished her A-levels, he decided to buy a little gift, and that gift, we I mean, I don't know why I'm holding it up, Russ has seen them already, <laughs> but that this gift was a mug, a Kindness Project mug, which um, printed inside at the bottom of the mug is uh, Tis the End. Now, you'll know, listeners, if you're a regular listener to the podcast, we've been talking about these mugs um, for years. But we've wanted Kindness Project merch that was basically a mug with Tis the End written on the bottom. Russ, Russ, the man he is, just made that The legend. The legend. The icon. Now, I, I said to Charlotte when they came through, right, you need to give Russ a buzz and say thank you, Russ. And I listened to that call and know that Charlotte was gem- genuinely excited <laughs> and genuinely really, really grateful for you doing that. So thank you. you you're going to make me a mouse, mate. And I, I hope you appreciate <laughs> I hope you appreciated uh, the thank you tweet because I haven't tweeted uh, in a while and I don't know if we got the format right. I but, cannot um, tell you how happy I was to get that call. I was so pleased for you. They are cool. And and along with uh, a number of other mugs, uh, she would be taken into uni. So and I, I've got a feeling that will be her favourite uni mug, won't it, Charlotte? It'll be the first final mug of the week. Oh, yeah. Have we talk, no, we'll talk about mug of the week next week. We've right? talked about mug of the week on the podcast before. Uh, we, need to, we need to revisit that because I, I want to understand a bit more about the format. That's, though... Do last week's question of the podcast this week, which was, "What's your favourite pasta?" Um, and I'll um, I'll go first. Uh, I like a bit of ravioli because you can stuff it. Um, Steve Dan said lasagna. Mm. Mike Christie said macaroni with bacon and onions. Carol Housey said rigatoni. <laughs> don't do the accent, no, Chris. No. With a creamy tomato sauce and mushrooms, please. 
Now, she said, please, like, we're going to, like, deliver it to her house. That's not going to happen. Stacey Keane said... I like all pasta, but, like, Carol needs a tomato-based sauce for me. Uh, I misread the tone on that. <laughs> Sorry. But, like, Carol needs a... Like, it sounds like Carol's part of the dish. Uh, Robert <laughs> King said, Gnodgy. Emma, <laughs> Emma Stevens said, not spaghetti. Sam Chilton said, any pasta eaten alfresco in Italy. Uh, Alison Haggins gone a bit rogue. Fusilli with ketchup and grated cheese. Now, I think you've got to go for a better tomato, uh, like, sort of uh, situation with that. Yeah, like a, like a passata or... That's a, that's a pulpish dinner, isn't it? That is. <laughs> pasta with a bit of tomato sauce, tomato ketchup. What would make it worse if it was a happy shop of ketchup? Oh, so no. con- <laughs> you know what? Brasson said, I oh, know, but he's like, he knows what happy shop of ketchup is. You know what? Let me is. try and redeem this. What if you added sweet corn to it? No, no. still pulpous. Sandra Connington uh, said lasagna, uh, and she also loves macaroni, and Hayley Ball said cannelloni. And on that note, on quite an interesting episode of The Kindness Project, I'd like to wish you a lovely evening. Afternoon, day, afternoon, morning. day, whatever time you're listening to this. Is it lunchtime? And are, you, are you listening to this over lunch? And are we you look for lunch? For- Is it pasta? <laughs> you done? <laughs> and we look forward to speaking to you soon. Bye. Bye. Bye.